<laughs> Hallelujah. Well, we've um, started a new series, and if you've been in church uh, last week, and a little bit of the week before, we kind of started to edge into it as we left the last and went into the next. And um, I just want to uh, encourage you, um, getting a hold of that message from last week would be important. And, um, but th this new one is called The Heart of the Leadership, not a real long series. And it kept, of course, we'll be blending into uh, Pastor Peter's um, ministry tour. So uh, that'll be a, a bit of a series break right there. But, but um, God-given leadership, those that he appoints will be found pursuing God's heart. And uh, because ministering from his heart becomes the standard. You know, we minister from his heart. How many of you recognise today that there was a theme uh, through everything that went on? What you need to realise is I don't send out a text or a message or in the Facebook group or anything that say, oh, by the way, the theme this week is... It's all God at work in hearts that are sensitive and ready for him to lead them, you know. And, um, and I don't know about you, but I'd, pr I'd prefer to have that than a liturgy, just quietly, right? I'm not having a go at anyone's forms or methods or patterns that they use, but I'd rather have that than a liturgy. I'd rather have something that's God-inspired, you know, and be able to see it and go, wow, I didn't even plan that. And we talk about synergy. In the church, every song was about God's love. Did you know it was about God's love when you planned it, Sister Soul? Did you know that all of the songs were about love when you planned them? <laughs> no, well, Pastor June's saying no. Soul's not sure, but <laughs> she might have seen that later. But isn't it amazing how that happens? And uh, 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 Di's message, you know, uh, and, uh, and testimony. And then Pastor Jess comes out. And then... Greg's sort of going along the same theme about he's so good, we can trust him. And uh, so there's a lot for us to celebrate this morning. Amen. And, uh, and again, it's that, that his heart becomes a standard. We connect to it and start to come from it. Amen. And uh, it's, not, it's not just uh, a spiritual jargon. It's reality. And I, I'm buying in. I'm still buying in um, 40 years later. Uh, we made the point last week that the leadership of this church sees the purpose of this church as raising up mature sons and daughters. Those that have the Father's heart and see as the Father sees. And of course it's a noble pursuit. I believe a great pursuit. We saw last week, because it's not about us, it's about others. You know, it's about others coming to a good place in God. You know, where they're sensitive to his spirit. Know when he's leading, when he's guiding. And, uh, and want to be a part of it. So we saw last week how God uh, rejected Saul and chose David to replace him as king. And Samuel told Saul, uh, you know, he said to him, the kingdom has now been removed from you and has been given to a man after God's own heart. So God says, I'll make the selection. I'm going to do this. Of course, Saul's sitting there, and of course, we know the story. We'll probably get onto it a little bit later on with time. But um, here's an appointment that leaves us in no doubt that he's looking for people to follow the leader, number one, and to pursue the same heart. David becomes, David becomes a standard. He's a man after God's own heart. And the, 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 the hope and the desire is, is that God's people will catch that heart. And I've got a little bit more to say about that 
next week. But those that have a heart that goes after uh, uh, his are highly prized by God. Highly prized. Those that will stop and pray first. Not just assume that they know what God wants to do, but stop and pray and say, Lord, not my will be done, but your will. Highly prized because we get to be led by the Spirit. It's not just a mental process. It's not just cerebral. It's spiritual. And at some point in our Christian lives, we need to submit to that pursuit and be surrendered to it. Can I get an amen this morning? And be those maturing sons and daughters who have the Father's heart. And as we do follow after God's heart, we'll find ourselves bringing a manifestation of God's power into every situation. When we sense the Father's heart flowing towards someone, the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are there to flow as we minister to them. You know, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, what God's doing, what he sees. We get to see it too and share it with others. And that's impacting, you know. It's always also the best perspective to get God's perspective. I think you touched in on that uh, during your communion message, Pastor Jess. You know, it's always great to get God's perspective. His, is, his perspective is the best perspective. Even when we can't even see how he's going to do it. You know, I've talked some of my testimonies about how uh, in our calling and direction, uh, or certainly mine as well as Rosemary's, how the Lord just spoke so very clearly and showed us things that we couldn't even figure out how he could possibly do that. But it was like the signpost to walk in that direction, keep going that way. And uh, people that we would be connected with, we had no, no connection to them, but the Lord showed us how we would be connected to them. Pastor Margaret was one of them way back in the uh, late 80s. She was just that lady that knew how to play tennis to me. And she was pretty good at it too, I heard. You know, but she was just sitting over there in the crowd. And the Lord showed me that I'd be working with her one day. And I've had those seasons and those days where I worked very closely with her and... Um, and are happy for those days. But, you know, uh, it's, it's God who knows the end from the beginning. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's seen it all. And he can show it in your heart too, what he's going to do. And you can start to align to those props and leadings of his spirit. I like that. But, you know, I think, what an advantage in life, you know, to know what's going to happen before it happens. And, some of you are getting excited already. I know you want the lotto numbers, right? Well, I'm sorry, he doesn't give those. I've never heard anyone say, God gave me the lotto numbers and I'm a, I'm a millionaire now. And now I'm believing for the next set of lotto numbers. You know, <laughs> I've never heard anyone say that. I'll tell you what I did to hear one time, though. I heard one guy get up in a, it was a guest ministry that we had over in Queensland in our little church. And we hired the, we hired the, uh, the hall because we thought more people would come. But we still got a pretty good crowd. We got about 50 people turn up uh, for this um, meeting. And we had Pastor Margaret coming. And one guy, uh, when it was like question and answer time at the end, and one guy got up and said, don't you think it was a bit unfair that you were hearing from God when you were playing tennis? You would know what was going to happen. And he got up and thought that was a valid point to bring. It was a bit unfair, you know, a bit unsportsman, you know. And um, I can't remember what answer it was, but it was a really good answer, you know. It shot him down. I think he wished he, he could just climb under a chair or something, you know, after she gave a good answer. And um, because there should be, there's, there's no, there's nothing unfair about hearing from the Spirit of God. 
There's nothing unfair about hearing from the Creator, you know, and knowing His will and purposes. You know, we don't have to search the Scriptures too hard to see this model for ministry. We see Jesus carrying out His earthly ministry as the best example of a mature son. He models true sonship for us. And we see his disciples trying to understand the relationship, trying to sort of pinpoint how this works. And uh, uh, this, this, this relationship with God the Father that Jesus is modeling as a mature son. And uh, we see over in John chapter 14 and verse 7 where it says, If you had known me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip, still grasping on this concept, said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Uh, here's Philip, well, just show us the Father with our physical eyes. Just show us, and, and that will be sufficient for us to understand. Uh, he's not in unbelief about who Jesus is. He's just confused about the concept that if you have seen the Son, you've seen the Father. He doesn't understand that it's a spiritual connection and relationship that affects the natural. You see, our you know, heart of connection to the Father's heart affects the natural. And of course, Jesus modeled that so beautifully for us. John 14, verse 9 to 10, it says, Jesus replied, Philip, I've been with you, have I been with you all this time, and you still not know me? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own. Instead, it is the Father dwelling in me, performing his works. Sometimes uh, when you see ministers that are flowing in the gifts, you, you kind of wonder, where do they get that gift from? Well, they get it from God, you know. And it's just as Jesus is saying, it's not, uh, it, you know, I say to you, I, I do not speak of my own. Instead, it is the Father dwelling in me, performing his works. It's the Father's works, not our works. And again, you get good at waiting on God for that and learning how that works and flows. So as mature sons and daughters that have his heart, we also bring God with us in our words and spirit. And, uh, and the Lord shows up. Sometimes as people receive something that's... Uh, finally, they can't work it out because they're receiving something that they know is not from them, but rather from the Father. And, of course, bringing God's love and power into every situation and context is our calling as a church, amen, as a people called out by God to live this way. We are carriers of his presence and power. You know, we bring his presence into circumstance and situation. And of course, when we do, we bring his power. Amen. And the heart of God-given leadership is always centred on lifting up those around them. You know, those three levels of connection to leadership that we went through last week are worth a revisit um, there on the church website. You can download it. It's the first part of the series. If you missed that message, I encourage you to download it. The honouring level the heart level, the honing level um, that we covered last week as well and truly worth getting an understanding, three H's of uh, connection to leadership. So important to know those three levels of connection to leadership. You know, honouring is such a huge 
spiritual principle. The first commandment with promise, we've already mentioned it, was about honouring your mother and your father. You know, father meaning it was the first promise that God gave that had a blessing attached to it. In honouring God-given leadership in the local church, whether here or elsewhere, it's not complicated. At this first level of connection to church leadership, honouring, uh, you know, you're saying God called them to be where they are and they have a role to fill. You know, they have a role to fulfil. They're called to shepherd the flock through their relationship with God, the great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus. We don't take his place or remove him. We are, we are there as a vessel for him to fill and use. Amen? And, uh, but we've got a job to fulfil, a shepherd the flock. And uh, I say esteem them highly. You know, you get that, you know, you, you get that understanding that someone's walking in a, uh, a leadership gifting. You know, they've got the past of, you know, badge or whatever, and, and you don't know them, still esteem them highly. Love them for their work's sake, the Bible says. And I, I just want to bring up that verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12 to 13, just as a recap. It says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them who labour among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. So well, I don't really like them that much. Well, it says here to esteem them very highly in love, not because you like them, but because of their work, because of the work's sake. And be at peace among yourselves. And that's the result when that happens. There's peace among yourselves. Because anything else goes the other way. And uh, one of the first casualties when people speak poorly of church leadership is peace. I guarantee you'll lose yours. You'll lose your peace. The devil knows that unity is the next casualty, and he plays that card. Division is what the enemy wants. He wants to see churches splitting over little petty things and disagreements over this, that, and the other, and uh, people's, people's fur being rubbed the wrong way. And the enemy would love to use that continuously uh, to split and, and uh, break up churches that gather together for the purpose of the kingdom, gather together so that Jesus can be glorified. And they're fighting and bickering and, you know, getting upset with one another, and God doesn't like it. But it starts with how we behave, you know, how we, you know, how we speak, what we say, what we allow ourselves to say. So we, we see that God calls, appoints, and anoints leadership that will operate out of his heart. We looked at the biblical pattern for imparting to others uh, those that catch that same heart for God. Paul refers to them as the faithful. And um, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing, you know, because I mean, we've said it before, so much of it is not so much taught, but you catch it. So it's not taught, it's caught. And you sit under that same spirit, the same, you know, those that are coming out of that spirit, you sit under it and sit under it and sit under it and you catch it. It just takes time. You know, we're funny, aren't we? We want everything instantly. I want this now, you know. Air conditioning, it's hot, it's humid, it's the wet, just turn that air conditioning on, you know, and it's instant. And, you know, it takes a little while to crank up, but, but you know, it's a whole lot instant. You don't have to wait very long at all. And we've gotten used to that in this society where everything is instant. Everything is, I'll have it now. You know, don't like it cold, I'll have it hot. 
it's feeling pretty cold in here this morning, isn't it, Les? We'll turn that heat up, you know, and, and uh, yeah, <laughs> some of the locals are thinking, what's the air conditioning doing on? But, um, but you know, uh, we, we have to realise that in the kingdom, some things are not instant. Sometimes it takes a discipline of sitting there and receiving it and catching things. And uh, you've got to get around it. I, once I sensed that the spirit of God was alive and well in the church I was in, you couldn't keep me away from church. I just realized that God wanted me there. And that everything I was going to catch, I was going to catch there, not at home watching, on, you know, watching uh, uh, video YouTubes and uh, all that. He says, Do you therefore, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard me say among many, many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men. Sorry? Faithful men who will be qualified to teach others as well. So it's catching. You know, you, you impart to others. And again, we always impart from the heart. You see people catching it and, and starting to walk in the same grace and anointing that we understand and have seen and, uh, and recognise that is for a place. And uh, I'll talk about this a little bit more as we go, but his anointing, that supernatural. Whenever you hear the word anointing, think about his supernatural strengthening and ability. Whenever you hear that word anointing, think of that, because that's what it is. It's a supernatural strengthening. When the anointing comes on people, they do things that they couldn't otherwise do. And that's Moorish. Start tasting and seeing, you know, that at work. And that Anointing on church leadership is what allows them to do what they do. Otherwise, they get worn out quickly. Because God's call to church leadership, the five-fold leadership, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, that call comes with a grace, a gift to operate in the office and calling. Let's just say pastoral burnout is not from working too hard. If you're in here and you've been a pastor before and you said, well, you know, I've experienced a bit of burnout. Oh, well, I'm sorry, but I just want to say the truth here today. It comes from working, uh, you know, burnout. It, it, it comes from working for God and not with him. All right? Such a huge difference. We talk about it here at Victory Life Broom. Pastoral burnout, spiritual burnout comes from working for him but not with him. And that's the difference. It's from following models and methods that are not from God's design. Adopting programs that have worked elsewhere, but God didn't choose for you. Great ideas, but not God ideas. Big difference between them. So the pastor tells the congregation on Sunday, the empty block, we happen to have an empty block. It's actually the back of two blocks, but quite empty and quite a nice parcel of land. Pastor gets up, let's just pretend it's us gets up and says, I feel that we're to build an amusement park there. We'll have a big Ferris wheel. Okay? And on the top of that Ferris wheel, we'll have Jesus is Lord. The pastor gets up, makes the announcement. It's a great idea, but it's not a God idea. You know, and uh, unfortunately, the people will follow and obviously chip into that and work with that and come out on on, on, on weekends and put, put all their spare time into building that amusement park and God was never in it. How dangerous. So, you know, you really want leadership that have got God's heart, that are listening to him, hearing what he's saying, putting, putting um, you know, uh, things into place that he's speaking of and um, no, long, no matter how long that takes to do either.
all right? Because sometimes the things that the Lord speaks and wants, in, wants to, to have uh, in place have great lots of uh, uh, enemy attacks against. And uh, so you've got to do, you've got to do the, the, the long journey. And I tell you what, that's partnering with him when you learn to hear what he's saying that you should do. That's taking his yoke upon you. And it won't wear anyone out. It doesn't wear you out. Jeremiah gains a word from the Lord that speaks of shepherds that God will call that have the Father's heart. And uh, Jeremiah 3, verse 14 to 15, it says, Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. Talking about the church. I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and bring you to Zion. And I will give you shepherds according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Great verse. Jeremiah is getting a sense of the Father's heart. And, uh, and how the Lord raises up shepherds. But who are these shepherds? Well, they're the fathers and the mothers with that nurturing heart, you know, that's after the father's heart. And, of course, most church leadership are operating at a high level of faithfulness, a great sense of duty to God, but what is needed is a faithfulness to God's heart. What's he saying? What's he doing? Let's follow after that. Let's be engaged in that. The best leadership will be found being faithful to God's heart. And um, they're found shepherding according to God's heart. And that's different to just being faithful in service. I'll say that again. That's different to just being faithful in service. You know, Samuel uh, gets a big upskill in the way uh, God's uh, 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 way and approach to leadership selection. When he's told to go to the house of Jesse and anoint the next king. And I know we've sort of very close to uh, finishing, but I've just got a few scriptures. I'd like us to just follow along and just see um, how Samuel gets this upskill. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse of Death, uh, Bethlehem for I have selected from his sons a king for myself. Well, what's God looking for is someone after his heart. That's what he's looking for. The Bible says Saul was very handsome and very tall. His height is described as a, a head and shoulders above everyone else. And, uh, but I tell you what, give me leaders who have the right heart, not just the right look. Amen? Now, I don't know, and I've noticed this at different times he probably had a booming voice and uh, not just a radio voice says <laughs> Jen, Jen Mitchell you've got a good radio voice Pastor Pete I've got a radio voice <laughs> radio voice but um, uh, you know he, he probably had a booming voice and just carried such a physical presence you know Saul but look what it says in Samuel 16 verse 4 so Samuel did what the Lord had said and uh, went to Bethlehem and when the elders of the town met him, they trembled and asked, do you come in peace? Uh, Samuel as a prophet was not one to be messed with. He was, he was busy about uh, God's uh, uh, work and uh, he didn't want to get in the way of it. Uh, do you come in peace? And, he, and verse 5, in peace, he replied, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. How many of you know that you can do all the Lord showed you to do but it's that 
detailed step-by-step direction that is needed. And you feel you need it in the moment. You know you've got something general that that you need to do. And you go to do that, and it's not until you're doing it that he gives you the finite detail. And I love that bit. I love that bit when the finite detail comes in. It was a classic example for me last year when I had, um, uh, we had a guest speaker come through, uh, Pastor Michael Greaves, some of you would have remembered. I don't know if any of you took note of the prophetic word that he had for me. It just went, Pastor Peter, uh, yes, and yes, and yes. And I'm sure everyone was sitting there going, wow, that's a very informative prophetic word that Pastor Peter just received. Uh, Hope you got something out of that. Well, I tell you what, that was the fine detail for me. I knew what he was saying. I knew exactly what every one of those yeses were because I was waiting for an answer. I was waiting for that confirmation from the Lord. And blow me down that Pastor uh, Michael Greaves would be used to come and share uh, just that simple prophetic word. I think others got better prophetic words than I got, but my... As far as I was concerned, mine was perfect because it was exactly what I needed to hear. It was the detail and, um, and of course, walking in it. Okay. Such a key being faithful to God's heart. Amen. Being led by God's spirit in the detail. Amen. First uh, Samuel 16 and verse 6 to 7 says, And when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and said, Surely here before the Lord is his anointed. And when they arrived, Samuel saw, saw uh, Eliab and said, Surely here before the Lord is his anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not see as a man does. For, look what it should be highlighted in your Bible. For man sees the outward appearance, but the Lord sees the heart. The Lord sees the heart. Amen. So here's the prophet Samuel getting that step-by-step guidance, isn't he? He's, he's done what he's been told to do, but he's now getting the detail. Who to, who to uh, uh, anoint. And it comes from connection, spiritual connection to the Father's heart. And if you just look and see it with me, God is using that connection with Samuel to help Samuel pick another king that's, you know, that's connected the same way as what he is, connected to the Father's heart. But he has to stop looking as a man looks. And start seeing what the Father sees. Ah, so that's how it works. We start to see as the Father sees. That's mature sons and daughters, following after the Father's heart. People ask, how do you know when God's calling someone to the fivefold ministry? I say, it takes one to know one, first of all. So there's a confirmation. Very similar to what's happening here among Jesse's sons. The right heart cannot be faked. You cannot put it on by acting it out. And it takes one to know one. 1 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 10 to 11. And it says this, Thus Jesse made seven of his sons uh, pass before Samuel. But Samuel told him, The Lord has not chosen any of these. And Samuel asked him, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's tending the sheep. Send for him, Samuel replied, for we will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So in other words, the food's going to go cold. It doesn't matter. We're not going any further until the guy that God's going to appoint and anoint is here. 
Some who wants to do the will of God. Those that have the, uh, uh, God's heart do. You know, they want to do the will of God. They want to do what, what he wants. They want to see it fulfilled. And it, it doesn't matter if the food goes cold in the meantime. Where do you find the people that have God's heart? You know, I tell you, they found tending sheep. That's, what you, that's where you'll find them. They're, they're tending sheep. They're looking after the, you know, the lambs and the, and the sheep. You could make the mistake of only looking among those that have been to Bible college or look among those ones that have the best teaching and preaching techniques. But you would make a mistake because you're looking as a man sees. And of course, there's nothing wrong with those things that I've just spoken of. But God anoints those that have a heart after his. Amen. Samuel gets it. Now he knows that none of the seven sons so far is the one called to of God to be anointed king. It has to be the one that has a heart after God's. And I'm sorry for going longer, but it's well worth the wait this morning, I believe. Last verse, last passage, it says, So Jesse sent his youngest son and brought him in, or sent for his youngest son and brought him in, and he was ruddy. I think that means redhead. I'm pretty sure if I remember rightly. Ruddy means redheaded. With beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him, for he is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. The spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Had the right heart, God just needed to bring the, the, bring the grace. And that's what he started to walk in. And then, then Samuel set out and went to Ramah. You know, it's a good set of scriptures to again highlight that the Lord wants us all to be those ones with the Father's heart. And watch what he'll do with it in this day and age. Sensitive, connected to him by the Holy Spirit. Don't leave it to the leadership to live that way. Jesus went to the cross so we could all have a relationship with God the Father, a personal relationship with the Father that is personal and real to us. Don't settle for the religious connection. Go for a real connection. You know, the Lord began to speak to us last year and the, word, the term that he used was broadening the shoulders and, uh, you know, broadening our pastoral leadership and uh, increasing the leadership of the church is always about making room for growth. Okay, making room for growth. And, uh, and you know, it's not surprising to us that it's those who know, uh, who we know that have got the Father's heart and are clearly already shepherding uh, others from the Father's heart. And uh, it's not a rushed process, uh, but we're happy to announce today that um, when Pastor Peter uh, uh, Nichols is with us uh, in two weeks' time, we'll be ordaining on the Sunday service um, uh, Jen Costigan and uh, also um, uh, Jenkins. Gunas Karen, uh, Gunas Karen. I know I struggle with that sometimes, but <laughs> God bless. We'll be uh, ordaining them into pastoral ministry here at Victory Life Broome, and uh, again broadening our shoulders, uh, enable us to to um, reach and, and minister to more people um, as we uh, go about the business of uh, extending the kingdom here in Broome. And uh, it might sound all very official, ordaining, but we've been witnessing all of the grace 
and gifting that we would expect uh, to see on their lives for some time now. And they've accepted the invitation to be ordained as assistant pastors. So let's put our hands together and make sure that we encourage them when you see them. Amen.